What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty DM. He's Dan. What's going on, guys? And I'm Max, and we're talking Dynasty. The season is upon us, Dan. We are so close to football right now. So close. Days away now. I so excited. It. I can't wait. We need it more than ever, and that's why we're doing the show today. Today, we got a show talking a lot about quarterbacks, specifically focusing on quarterbacks in Superflex, two QB leagues. Dan, some would say this is the most important position in football, and I think, you know, we might agree sometimes. Exactly. But Certainly not, not in fantasy most of the times. It ends up being undervalued there, so it's it's nice. It'll be fun to be able to talk about them, uh, especially when it comes to, to Superflex and, and uh, two QBs. Yeah, Superflex and two QB changes the game, um, so it's a little different than single quarterback leagues, but we're going to get into a bunch of guys today, talk about some people that we think are overvalued, maybe a little undervalued, and maybe one deep sleeper to focus on in some of your dynasty leagues. Fantastic. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. But before we dive into some of these individual players, um, I want to talk a little bit about game theory and Superflex, right? Because yeah. Superflex, not that it hasn't been around for a long time, right? But you see more and more leagues transitioning into Superflex, which basically, for, for those of you that might not know out there, basically means that you have a flex position that you can put a quarterback in, which really, for all intents and purposes, makes it a two-quarterback league. However, the beauty of not having that second spot marked QB means it gives you maximum flexibility. Or as Dan, you might say, uh, super flexibility. Exactly. So you guys get the picture. Terrible jokes aplenty <laughs> over here at the Dynasty DM. Um, but really, it just it, it opens up the spectrum of how you can construct your roster, right? Because you're not forced to play a second QB in that spot. Although we'd argue that a lot of times that's optimal. Because it essentially turns your league into a two-quarterback league, when we look at these startups, these guys are drafted super highly. Yeah. Like they are, you see multiple quarterbacks going in the first round. You see, you know, in the top like six to eight, most of those guys are going in the top two rounds of yeah, startups. Exactly. Right? So we feel that that's a little bit of an overcorrection on the market um, and that you know, sometimes just because you can have a player on your dynasty roster for their entire career doesn't mean that you have to. And it doesn't mean that you need to think of, you know, oh, I'm going to have this quarterback for the next 12 years. So Dan, talk a little bit about where you see, you know, some of the overvalued pieces coming in in those early startup rounds and the opportunity cost around it. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you said it perfectly. It's it's opportunity cost of looking at where those uh, quarterbacks are going, because typically, especially the elite ones, those are going in the early uh, first round uh, or just first round in general. Um, and you're missing out on the opportunity uh, where you're comparing to like a top five either wide receiver or running back. So your Michael Thomases, you know, like your Christian McCaffreys, there are times where Patrick Mahomes goes before Christian McCaffrey on uh, some of these things, which I think you and I agree, especially just with our affinity for running backs in general and uh, knowing that there are so few workhorse type of running backs there, uh, you're basically uh, missing out on a really key cornerstone uh, that you use to set up um, your league from the draft. So it's it's always hard because you see those QBs going and, and there's always this in the back of your mind, well, there's only so many starting qu quarterbacks, but I think we'll cover in here that there's even, even a uh, what you would maybe deem a subpar starting quarterback um, is putting up some decent numbers for you uh, when you do the comparison. So to 
basically, in, in our opinion, maybe waste that pick uh, in the first two rounds on a quarterback where you can get uh, equal production in later rounds uh, seems like a bit of a miss and is something that seems to be pretty common in Superflex where uh, high draft capital is being used on a starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, I got the numbers right here for you. I was digging a little bit, you know, just looking at, you know, and again, this is four-point touchdown scoring, right, which is pretty standard in fantasy. If mm-hmm. you want to talk six-point, we could probably have a different conversation. Absolutely. Um, you know, because that's going to change things. But you look at last year, 2019, you know, Jameis Winston was was the quarterback number eight, and he was putting up 18.6 fantasy points per game. Go all the way down to quarterback number 17 on the year last year in points per game, and it was Daniel Jones. So there's really not that big a difference. You'd think it was bigger than it is. Daniel Jones was putting up 16.2 points per game. So there's only about two and a half point difference between these two on a per game basis. Absolutely. And while I'm not saying that Jameis Winston is somebody that's going in the second round of a startup right now, the point that we're trying to illustrate is just because some of these quarterbacks – are you know number six number seven number eight overall in scoring doesn't mean that when you look down a little bit at these guys you might be able to get many many rounds later in startups or a lot cheaper in trade those guys are really not putting up that you know crazy differential of of a number like it's it's not a huge difference between the two um and not to discount the fact that winston was a late round quarterback this past season uh, you're saying he finished at eight. Fantastic. No one was drafting him in the t- in within the first eight uh, quarterbacks there. So to know that you can have these very late round quarterbacks put up those types of numbers is another kind of scenario where it's it just makes you feel good about the opportunity to actually get someone like that uh, without having to spend a uh, top uh, three rounds type of pick. Yeah, and, and you can go even further down, right, when you're talking about how to construct a roster, you know, looking at maybe grabbing two QBs later in the draft. Mm-hmm. Daniel Jones was the number 17 in points per game last year. Sam Darnold was number 27, so we're talking 10 slots lower. And even that was less of a drop-off than from Winston to Daniel Jones. So it was it was only another two points on a per-game basis drop-off from number 17 to number 27. Yeah. So, There's a lot of value to be had and you just want to look at it all in context of it sounds like a huge difference from quarterback eight to number 27. And I'm not saying that there isn't a difference because clearly there is, but it might not be as big as you think it is. Yeah. From Winston all the way to Sam Darnold, what that's uh, 4.5 points per game. If you're playing with kickers, uh, one fluke (laughs) kicker game could be sway that uh, completely off the chart. So like that type of, Uh, disparity between the positions uh, is enough where I want to take bigger swings on other positions that I know are uh, maybe a little bit more volatile and really reward the top producers. And unfortunately, you're not allowed to play Legatron or any of these stud kickers Uh, in your flex. But if you were, if you were, they might break this top 27 (laughs) QB mark. Oh, so true. So true. Um, so the one other thing that I think I know we wanted to, uh, be able to discuss too, is just the, the idea of youth at quarterbacks, um, and generally how we feel like it's a little bit youth in general for the quarterback is a little overvalued. What are your, what are your general thoughts there? Yeah, I think people there's, there's always the, the zeal for youth, right. In dynasty leagues, uh, you know, I'm sure you could, uh, shoot daggers at me with your eyes right now, <laughs> knowing how I've constructed some of my rosters over the perhaps, years, but, perhaps. uh, but you, youth chasing is a thing in dynasty, always looking for the shiny new toys. 
And it, it really takes on an even bigger life of its own um, when you look at it for quarterbacks, right? Because quarterbacks, the ones that hang around tend to play a lot longer than a lot of these running backs and wide receivers and, you know, even certain tight ends. And I think that when you and I look at Dynasty, whether we're looking at our rankings, looking at trading, looking at windows for our teams, we're typically looking at a two to four year window, right? Yeah. And if you think about the average QB career, it's a lot longer than that, you know, exactly. for a starting QB that is in the top half of the league, maybe not even top half of the league, right? Even like up until league average. So when people grab some of these QBs, if you're grabbing a Kyler Murray or if you're grabbing a Lamar Jackson or a Patty Mahomes, these guys, you know, that are like 25 and less, you're thinking like, wow, I have a QB for the next 10 years, right? When things change, it's the NFL. Yep. You know, some people would say it is the not for long, right? <laughs> um, for QBs, you do get a little bit more rope, but that kind of skews how people are valuing just because you have somebody on your roster that's capable of playing another 10, 15, maybe 100 years if you're Tom Brady, right? Um, it doesn't mean that you, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to overvalue that person even more, right? Just because yep. they're younger and capable of playing out those years. Exactly. No, because uh, if if you're going to see that youth is being overvalued and it's going to inflate the prices, uh, zig when uh, others are zagging and, and being able to instead say, okay, you know what, I'm going to defer on uh, paying up for there. Because uh, then you see uh, like the Jimmy Garoppolo's uh, and the Kirk Cousins fall to these huge value plays um, where there's like uh, Jimmy, uh, of course, I think contract is, is still kind of out, but they've got Kirk locked up. Like you, you can still start them um, within this two to uh, four year window with confidence, knowing that they're still going to be able to put up uh, decent numbers for you and allow you to uh, be able to take more wide receiver running back types of positions earlier in your draft. Yeah, and I think you can even go further on that scale, right? Start talking about the Matt Ryans, the Big Bens, the Drew Brees, the Tom Brady's. Like these are guys that you know. Even if we we never know when Brady's going to quit, right? We've, yep. I've been a Patriots fan my whole life. I never know when Tom Brady's nope. going to actually yep. retire. <laughs> never bet but, against the man. He's going to keep going but, for a thousand years. As long as these guys are going to play out a year or two at a high level, that's going to bring a lot of value to your roster. Um, and yet you see them, you know, essentially being the dumpster dive QBs of some of these startups yeah. because people are overvaluing the youth and undervaluing the proven talent that's a little bit up there. In exactly. And production, like as soon as you get into the season, uh, when production matters and you have teams struggling and maybe their young quarterback uh, is throwing more interceptions than you'd like and not performing at a level because it takes a little time to get into the NFL. Um, they're going to be eyeing your Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady who's slinging it and maybe performing a lot uh, uh, at a higher level. Uh, and you might be able to work out trades where you can get younger post startup and be able to actually uh, maybe get a little younger uh, in sacrificing some of the proven production that your uh, teammates are able to see uh, and be able to use them as a, a nice kind of trade bait there. So uh, it's the you don't have to keep the same guys on your roster after you do the startup. Uh, you just got to make sure you're getting the production this year because with every single year, regardless of dynasty, you're playing to win each year and they are guys who are going to help you do it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So knowing that some of the game theory, we did that up front, talking about, you know, just Superflex, our take on it. Let's get into a couple of these players and uh, give our thoughts on some people that we might think are uh, overrated or underrated. Definitely. So the first guy that I want to talk about today is a quarterback that I think is overvalued in just about every format. 
when you look at the raw fantasy points that Josh Allen's putting up every week, you're like, oh man, this guy is a stud. Except he's not really that good at throwing the ball, which is something that you would think would think is a prerequisite for success at the quarterback position. You would NFL. figure. You would figure. That's one of the, the boxes you would, that you have to check. Someone would hope, right? <laughs> hope you could throw the ball. Uh, but Josh Allen's never been that person. You know, he wasn't a great passer in college. Coming out of Wyoming, it, you know, he had a 21st percentile college QBR and only a 35th percentile yards per attempt, which means, you know, at a consolidated measure, uh, you know, he wasn't a great college quarterback and he wasn't taking any chances down the field, which is, you know, something that is not a good thing, you know, when you're trying to gain yards in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And let's flash back to that draft for a quick second and just remember that at the time, Lamar Jackson was considered the fifth guy, you know, the <laughs> fifth wheel of that quarterback. Group. Times have changed. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was him, yeah, Josh Allen, you know, his athleticism was off the charts. Let's not forget about Josh Rosen. <laughs> and you know, so so Josh Allen goes very highly drafted to the Bills. And to me, he just hasn't really shown that sticking power in the NFL with his arm. I get that the guy's great athlete, can run. I know that running quarterbacks are obviously a hack in fantasy football. But Dan, last year, Josh Allen in true completion rating. So this is taking out drops, right? Yep. Not just looking at completion rating is a simple equation. When you factor out drops, you get the true completion percentage. He was number 33 and number 35 in 2018. I'm sorry, in 2019 and 2018, respectively. The last time I checked, there's only 32 teams in yeah. the NFL. So if you're going to come in at number 33 and 35 over the last two years in true completion percentage, that's a problem. That's not good. That probably means like David Blau was beating you for a period oh, of time. David Blau throwback <laughs> to episode one. Look at you. Uh, uh, and if you want to see some even lower numbers, um, Josh Allen was number 46th overall and 47th overall in red zone completion percentage in those years, 2019 and 2018 respectively. So not only was he bad outside the red zone, he was even worse when he got to the red zone, which again, last time I checked is where you score. That is where you get the, the football points. That is. Yes. The football points. <laughs> the football that is points. where they're scored. That is where you get them. <laughs> so I understand that running quarterbacks have their place, right? But when you're looking, especially in Superflex, right? A lot of these rosters are deep. Again, we talk back to the game theory. Some people are looking at these guys that are, you know, on the younger side. Like, I'm going to have this quarterback for the next 10 years. Not if he's 33 and 35 in true completion percentage. No, no. That's, no. that's not going to last long. You need guys with sticking power, right? Um, and some people would say, okay, okay, they brought in Stefan Diggs. I get it. He probably just had terrible receivers in 2019. But that wasn't even the case. You know, John Brown is no slouch. Cole Beasley, I love his mixtapes. I love, you know, his rap career. Even a bigger fan of what the guy does playing the slot. His receivers uh, at an aggregate level were number seven target separation, which means these guys were getting open. Yeah. And Josh Allen was doing a phenomenal job of missing them down the field. Um, one of the funny things I found digging through some of his metrics was danger plays is a metric that we like to look at, you know, throws that uh, could cause a uh, pick six that could cause horrible, you know, real football turnover scenarios. He was surprisingly low in danger plays, which means that uh, to me, he can't even hit the cornerbacks in stride when he's trying to throw it to the defense. Um, so, you know, I ran through a bunch of metrics, right? That's all well and good quarterbacks improve, but let's look at some of the other people 
that were on the younger side that people might've looked at for their Superflex rosters and said, wow, I have this guy locked up for the next 10 years. You know, I have Jameis Winston, number eight quarterback in fantasy points uh, per game. There's no way he's going to lose his uh, job. Right, I, felt, I felt victim to that one. That was killer. He ended with, again, fantasy point God when it came to uh, the last year. And then you're like, okay, there's, but there's no way they're going to let him go. He's, he's going to work with, uh, work through some things, making sure that he can kind of overcome for that. Nope. The NFL is not waiting for that. Uh, and so yeah. you see a player like that just get chopped off uh, without notice. When you join Vinny Testaverde in the 30 plus interceptions in a season club, or maybe he did he found the club? Is that what <laughs> he, happened? He very well might have. Exactly. Okay. I forget. We can look it up at another time. But Vinny Testaverde was famous, you know, had that one horrible season with a bunch of interceptions. When you're up with him, you know, and you're losing your job, you're not doing any dynasty rosters any favors, no. right? Especially when you are optimally starting two quarterbacks. Um, But there's a couple other recent examples that came to mind when looking at, you know, Josh Allen. Mitch Trubisky, right? His job's on the line right now. Big time. You know, he he was someone drafted top five in the NFL, and they bring in Nick Foles, who's never even played or hasn't played a full season in the last couple of years, and his job's on the line because he's inaccurate. He can run, but he can't throw. Same thing like Josh Allen. Exactly. Tim Tebow, I get it. He won that playoff game. I was watching football that at that time in my life. He beat the Steelers on that Demarius Thomas touchdown, but he couldn't throw the ball that well either. You know, the yeah. teams were working him out at fullback and tight end. I mean, these guys lose their jobs, and our goal as a podcast is to help people with their dynasty rosters. Yeah. You don't want to roster these guys, or you want to be very careful if you are going to roster these guys and maximize trade value. And one quick thing, because I don't want to go crazy on my hatred for Josh Allen. Again, Josh, love you in real life. You're fun to watch. Um, people sometimes say, you know, oh, compared to, you know, some of these other quarterbacks, like Josh Allen might be the second best rushing quarterback in the NFL next to Lamar Jackson. And I just want to say this right now. Josh Allen is not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson improved every single year in college as a passer. And he's an elite rusher. And he's also a great thrower, which makes it even harder for defenses to contain his rushing ability, right? Because they're afraid of him actually getting the ball down the field. He was number eight in money throws last year. He was number 12 in true completion percentage, where Josh Allen was outside the top 32 in the league. Yep. And he was number eight in clean pocket completion percentage. All metrics that you'd love to see show steady growth as a passer. Lamar Jackson has it. Josh Allen doesn't. Any final words on Josh Allen, Dan? Yeah, don't don't waste a a fourth round pick in Superflex drafting this guy. Oh. Take so <laughs> shots fired. All right, well, someone that took a lot of shots last year is a guy that I want to talk about now. Is someone that I feel like is going to a little undervalued uh, in drafts, most particularly Superflex drafts, and that is Baker Mayfield. Uh, so for Baker. Uh, I think it's kind of he's succumbed to a little recency bias uh, where this past season for him, I think we can easily say it wasn't his best. Uh, It wasn't what he was supposed to be able to live up to as the uh, 101 uh, pick for the Browns. Um, But let's not forget that he broke the rookie touchdown record of 35 and only starting 13 games. He's got something. And I think we have yet to fully actualize and discover uh, what he's got there. Because I think he really, 
wasn't in the best situation overall last year. Uh, and we'll kind of lift off a, a couple reasons um, that we feel like he maybe wasn't reaching his full potential. Big one, in my uh, opinion, is Mr. Freddie Kitchens, who is now no longer the, co- uh, the coach there. One and done. Um, but he, one and done, baby. But he was still uh, had some kind of glints and gleams of, of excellence. Uh, if you look at money throws last year, he was fourth. Uh, he was number seven in pressured completion percentage. Like he's still able to perform when he needs to in certain scenarios. And now he just needs a scheme and an overall uh, coach who's able to bring out the best in him and make sure that he's not fighting for his life and scrambling on every play, uh, that the offensive line isn't breaking down and having an invisible pocket where he's going to be hit behind the line of scrimmage each time, uh, being able to really hopefully uh, let him shine in the ways that we think he can. And so there's a couple things coming into the 2020 season uh, that will hopefully enable him to do that. And first is Kevin Stefanski is coming in uh, to take Freddie Kitchen's job uh, and really hopefully bring a lot of the elements of the Vikings uh, over to the Browns. And so that's going to absolutely, it's going to emphasize the run game. So when you look at that, you're like, okay, well, is that good for a quarterback? And it, it certainly can be uh, if it's going to make other teams fear the run and allow him the opportunity uh, to not immediately be uh, rushed on certain plays if they know uh, they have a harder time figuring out what the Browns are going to be doing there. Uh, so it's going to open up the run game and, and really not sacrifice QB stats because if you look at Kirk Cousins, he still finished um, pretty nicely last season. Uh, so you're able to still not sacrifice uh, QB uh, fantasy points in that regard. Um, they've also improved their offensive line. Uh, so they traded for Jack Conklin and they drafted uh, Jedrick Wills. So being able to actually beef up that offensive line and have him just be, feel more comfortable uh, behind the offensive line is going to be a really uh, nice thing uh, addition for him. So better blocking, better pocket, better passing. That's basically what uh, is, is going to result there. Uh, also, his receivers, I think people were so excited about the Browns going into this last year because you get OBJ joining up. You've got Landry, who's always been doing extremely well. Uh, you have the rush time kind of coming back up. Uh, but OPJ and Landry, we kind of find out, were really nursing injuries uh, over the past season. And so being able to have both of them get the corrective surgery that they needed to be able to go into the season stronger, uh, I think is definitely something that's going to um, enable him to have more confidence in throwing some 50-50 balls up to those guys and, and knowing that they might be able to come down with it instead of being uh, fearful that they are going to upset any injuries that they have there. Uh, And then they've also added even more weapons to the Browns team we felt like had some of the best weapons last year uh, in the addition of uh, Austin Hooper and the uh, first year tight end uh, Harrison Bryant, who apparently is uh, tearing up camp uh, and was voted like camp MVP. Uh, So it's really nice to see that the addition of those guys is really going to be able to kind of bolster um, his overall play. And Max, I know you're a, a Baker fan as well, someone who uh, still hasn't given up on him, who's scooping him up in later rounds uh, with Superflex ADP kind of stuffing him down a little bit. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, on Baker Mayfield and what he could potentially do for this year? Oh, absolutely. I keep the flame lit for Baker Mayfield, always have. Um, you know, people forget that this is one of the most prolific quarterbacks coming out of college we've seen in a long time. I mean, not just one. Sometimes these guys have incredible seasons, and then they'll have a season that's almost as good. Baker had two unbelievable seasons in college. You can look at the numbers. They are historic. And, Dan, 
you didn't know this before we started recording, but uh, I bought Madden recently, and yes. the team that I am running train with online currently is the Browns. There Baker we go. Baker is great. A lot of weapons on paper. I put Austin Hooper at fullback and moved David and Joku all over the field. I mean, I, it's, <laughs> you, you want to talk about Kevin Stavansky. I mean, wait till you see what I do with the Browns roster online. <laughs> I mean, but all jokes aside, Baker Mayfield, definitely, you nailed it. Recency bias is a horrible thing. He came in and showed us what he could do as a rookie. He showed us for years what he could do in the SEC, right? Toughest conference yep. in college football or toughest division in college football. And it, I mean, it's it's not that hard, right? You've seen a guy be really, really great his whole career. Outlier years happen. I remember getting DeAndre Hopkins late one year in Dynasty because it was his down year with Tom Savage. So believe in the metrics, believe in the things you've seen on the field. Let's scratch off the one bad year with a, you know, what you could almost call interim head coach and Freddie Kitchens. Yep. Get a better staff, get some guys healthy, sure up the offensive line. And let's get Baker going, baby. Exactly. Just like you don't want to uh, be rewarding Josh Allen for one good productive fantasy season, you don't want to also be dinging Baker Mayfield for one unproductive fantasy season. So Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. So you and I have talked about uh, our boy Baker, what we love about him. Uh, and there's another guy that I think you and I have been warming on a little bit, uh, especially because the uh, extreme value that he poses uh, when it comes to Superflex and 2QB. He's, uh, he's definitely down there in ADP. Uh, and probably doesn't deserve to be that far down in ADP. And that is one Gardner Minshew, uh, the magic stash himself, the action, action in Jacksonville there. Uh, so let's, uh, let's kind of break down uh, this past year uh, and really looking into the to 2020 season for what Gardner Minshew could be for your teams. Um, so one of the first things I want to mention is he is the highest rated rookie QB, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, and let's let me remind you that's higher than uh, Kyler Murray, who was taken at the 101. Uh, Daniel Jones, who uh, the Giants supposedly at the time reached for, and then uh, Drew Locke. So all of those guys, he finished as a higher-rated uh, quarterback, which is pretty impressive because that's actually uh, at least for Kyler Murray, uh, some competition that you wouldn't initially expect from him there. Um, but going into the 2020 season. Uh, they're going to have to rely on Minshew even more than they did in 2019. So Jacksonville had Leonard Fournette, uh, a very rushing uh, focused type of team. Uh, and now Fournette is gone. He is now with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you're left with some uh, running backs that Ryquel Armstead, uh, Divine Ozebo. Uh, those guys certainly aren't going to be putting up as much of a threat um, to uh the overall kind of rushing strategy. And therefore they're going to be leaning on Minshew a little bit more to be able to actually make the passes that he needs to. And they've actually given him um, more weapons to work with. So they have Tyler Eifert, who apparently he's been establishing a great relationship with uh, over the course of camp. And uh, LaVisca Chenault, who's someone that we're really excited about, thinking he has huge opportunity, is someone who's just super versatile and is going to give uh, Gardner great target uh, all over the field. Uh, and so with that ability, um, 
in terms of uh, the passing strategy, I think Gardner's going to be able to up his game a little bit more uh, and more is going to be asked of him. And I think he's going to rise to the occasion. Uh, and there's a couple key kind of themes about uh, Minshew that I think are going to play real nice into uh, this coming season. The first thing is uh, the rushing quarterback is king, right? We have talked about that's why uh, players like Josh Allen kind of zoom up draft boards because he has this rushing element that can be very valuable for fantasy. So to take a look at, he finished fifth in total rushing yards last season, and that was only in 14 games. He wasn't a full-time starter um, for last season, so he actually probably could have squeaked out uh, maybe another 100 yards or so uh, and been even further up the uh, up the way that way. Um, and when it comes to uh, scramble yards, so specifically um, looking at scramble yards, he was second highest in scramble yards and actually first in scramble rates, which was higher than Lamar Jackson. I'm sure a lot of that had to do with offensive line and the fact that he was kind of forced into that type of scenario. So it's certainly not, there's a difference between uh, kind of scripted plays and unscripted plays. I think he's definitely one that was forced into that more, but he was able to produce at a nice rate and, and his rushing ability and kind of threat enables more play action ability. Uh, and he finished um, with a third in passer rating when using play action. And that was just below Ryan Tan. Hill and Drew Brees. Um, so it's nice. You've got some, a guy who you know can rush and you know can scramble. Um, but let's also take a look at, just like we were talking about before, you also need to be able to pass to be a good quarterback in this league. So if you take a rushing QB and add the deep ball, all of a sudden you have a potential for a fantasy monster. Um, so in looking at um, his past college production, you actually asked Mike Leach, who was his coach over at uh, WSU. Uh, and when asked, like, what are the things that kind of separate him from the pack? He actually said he's got a great pocket presence. He has this ability to stay cool, calm and collected, uh, scramble when he needs to, as we just noted, but also be able to, uh, to really make plays when he needs to. Uh, and it, it shows because uh, if you look at last season, he had the best deep ball passer rating of 129 of all NFL starters. Uh, and so that is ahead of uh, Patrick Mahomes, I believe he's pretty good, uh, and Kirk Cousins. So in uh, overall, he was fifth in deep ball uh, completion percentage as well. So just really shows his um, ability to really target someone down the field and make the most of it. That's why you saw DJ Chark uh, come into his own, a guy that you and I really like as well, uh, because he's able to really uh, put it in the right place uh, and make his receivers start to look really good. Um, and then lastly, it's it comes down to when we're we're saying you need to actually be a good quarterback and help your team score. Uh, he's the fourth highest rated red zone QB, uh, which is just awesome to see. It means he's actually has the chance going into the season to help his team win games uh, and hopefully extend his uh, longevity in the league. Right. Because that's the one thing I think a lot of people talk about is, OK, if I'm taking him in dynasty, is he a one year rental? And I think a lot of people are on that fence of, okay, yeah, he very well could be. Are they tanking for Trevor? Is this whole thing kind of a, a, a mirage and facade? Um, and does that narrative have some value to it potentially? You know what? They, they very well, um, even if Gardner plays well, uh, they, they could go down that, uh, that road. But I really do believe that they have an opportunity to prove that Gardner Minshew is actually a really good quarterback. Uh, and you're going to be getting them at an extreme discount in the rounds that, 
as Max was saying uh, earlier, you were getting the Jameis Winstons and the Lamar Jacksons in uh, by taking that risk and that chance on him. So uh, I think I would argue uh, with his current uh, ADP, he's well worth the risk in being able to take a swing on a guy that could return top 12 upside. Yeah, he's not going to burn you where he's going, right? Um, yeah. So there's there's massive upside and really very little downside. It's it's always a fun thing to look back at your startups from like two or three years ago and realize how after round seven, uh, how many of these guys are actually still on your roster or made their way to a different roster or made their way to the waiver wire, right? Or maybe yeah. might not even be in the NFL anymore. But um, you know what you said, a couple of key stats there. Love seeing him being able to push the, the ball down the field, right? That's that's what makes, uh, you know, Mahomes and, and Cousins, you know, two guys that were in the top three with him, great quarterbacks in real life and fantasy. Yep. Um, and seeing him, you know, so highly rated in the red zone, um, you know, considering Josh Allen can't crack the top 32, uh, made me happy as well, right? That's another yeah. great stat for somebody that a franchise is going to rely on. So I love Gardner Minshew, love DJ Shark. Love LaVisca Chenault. I think that offense is poised to take a step forward this year in the passing game. Um, and I think LaVisca Chenault might also actually be the best running back on the Jaguars right now, Dan. <laughs> That's actually true. I listed off all the uh, the, the guys before, but LaVisca Chenault, uh, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with for sure. I'm only so. half joking there, but I'm excited to see LaVisca on the field, and I'm excited to see Gardner airing it out this year. Absolutely. So before we get out of here, Dan... Um, you know, part of the value in Superflex, like you said, you know, getting some of these guys that could really rise up production-wise late is huge. And so I want to talk about one quick guy. I know you have things to do this afternoon, so I'm not going to talk your ear off. I'm going to give you why not Jalen Hurts in 60 seconds. So for those of you who don't know, Jalen Hurts, second round pick by the Eagles, backing up the off-injured Carson Wentz. Um, do a little homework on this kid for yourself. He is a baller. We're looking at 95th percentile college QBR, 98th percentile yards per attempt in college. You want to talk about pushing the ball down the field? I'd say that looks pretty good. Dan, we talk about breakout age. Breakout age for quarterbacks is huge, right? And and just for, for the people who still don't know what breakout age is, that's putting your production in an age-adjusted context, right? Being a heavier, more involved player in the offense earlier the higher your breakout age is Jalen Hurts has a 100th percentile breakout age I know Baker is either 99th or 100th percentile but other than that you're not going to see a lot of guys that broke out this early and so you're like all right Max what's the big deal this guy you know he can throw it far he's got a high QBR historic breakout age how about the 4.59 40 time Dan how does that sound on a rushing quarterback sounds pretty good sounds pretty good to me holy crap Sounds pretty good. Just just for you keeping tallies at home, that is faster than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, so go ahead and take him at your 101, which I would advise <laughs> against a dynasty draft. But Jalen Hurts was a true freshman starter at Alabama. Guy comes into the SEC, and he balls out, like I said, broke out super, super early. 850-plus rushing yards his first three years in the NCAA I don't really know what else you want to see from this kid. I get that he's not a first-round quarterback. You know, when you're looking outside the first round, there's not a ton of successful case studies to point to over the last couple of years, although we might have just found one with Gardner Minshew, right? Very true. Um, played his whole career in the SEC. Second-round draft capital. I mean, that's significant. Again, Carson Wentz, he has a habit of missing games. I'm not saying, you know, that he's the most injury-prone quarterback, but he's missed games before, and... I think that this is somebody, especially in Superflex drafts, but even in deeper single QB dynasty leagues, Jalen Hurts has massive upside. 
He's a player that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. And when you look at the profile coming out of college, it's not that dissimilar from Lamar Jackson. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be the new number one QB in Dynasty in a year or For two. For sure. But a couple years ago, I was drafting Lamar Jackson in the double-digit rounds of startups. And again, we, we just talked about it. Once you get past round 10, how many of these guys are even going to be on your roster, right? So I'm just saying, before Dan has to go get to his afternoon plans, take a shot on Jalen Hurts stash this kid he has a lot of great measurables and if he ever took over he's in a fantastic offense behind an offensive line that is killer and a coaching staff that knows what they're doing dan any quick words on jalen hurts no i i like it um you you and i were chatting uh before the nfl draft how much we like this kid and we're even maybe holding out hopes and prayers that he was going to land with the patriots uh so that we could root for him for for years to come uh, and take over the dynasty but uh, say la vie instead it has to be the philadelphia eagles who as you said carson wentz it's being reported now that he's going to start week one but there was already seasons just starting question if uh wentz was going to be healthy for this season uh you always wish uh all players the best in terms of health but as you said carson wentz uh not always the healthiest quarterback and if there is an opportunity uh jalen hurts could really take advantage of that opportunity and run away with it so it'll be interesting to see uh if he gets any playing time this year uh and even if he doesn't he's still one to keep an eye out on because uh, uh he's got great potential yeah absolutely going at qb number 34 right now according to uh looking at the qbs listed in sleeper the app that we use for our dynasty league so take a shot on this kid if it doesn't work no big deal if you're like dan you're gonna draft him in the third round drop him so i can pick him up oh, and soon. the cycle continues <laughs> you take care of him all right dan we're so close to the season got a bunch of qb talk in for your super flex needs kickoffs on thursday are you excited oh i'm excited man i can't wait what do we got the uh, kansas city chiefs versus um the houston, houston texans texans baby oh nice yeah, that's that'll a, be a fun duel. one too. those are a couple guys i might take in the first round of a super flex startup if i'm going late right that's not how yes. i construct my rosters but those are might be some of the acceptable picks there that exactly right those are gonna be two fun qbs to see battling it out so can't wait, man. It's a season is upon us, and uh, all this prep and, and blood, sweat, and tears we put into our drafts, it's now finally going to get to pay off. All right, buddy. I still got more drafts to go, but I know you got to get going. So we gave a bunch of, bunch of QB talk for everybody today. I know we're going to cook up some more stuff to bring the people real soon. I say we get out of here. I know you're already late for something. So as usual, this is the Dynasty DM. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>